Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Welcome to Women's Hoops and Talks, the What Podcast, where we are elevating the voice of women in basketball. I'm Tara. And I'm Cassidy. Thank you so much for listening today. We've got a great show coming up. We're going to catch up on the latest Trailblazer rumors. We're going to talk a little bit about things going around the league. And we have an amazing interview with Alexis Musante, the co-founder of Team Inc., the tech exposure and access through mentoring program, which is Fantastic. I'm in awe. So let's get started with an icebreaker. So in honor of our newest releases of Space GM news kind of leaking, I was wondering if you could cast any NBA player in a role of any movie non-Space Jam related, <laughs> what, who do you have playing what and what movie? Oh my God. That's so, there's so, so many possibilities. Um, so I think I go to no matter, uh, I just, I need to see Evan Turner on the big screen basically is what this all boils down to. So I was trying to think of what would be like the best Evan Turner vehicle. And, um, I thought maybe one of those movies where somebody's like stranded by themselves somewhere for a really long time. So it could just be like a one man tour de force movie. So I was kind of thinking Evan Turner starring in 2001, a space odyssey, like him all alone on the space station. But then, I mean, that would be interesting, but then like the outfits in that aren't everything. So I decided that I would really love to see him in the matrix. Oh Yeah. Wouldn't that's he be definitely so his good. fashion sense too? I feel like he'd love that. I would oh, yeah. love to see him in some of those interrogation scenes. You know? Oh my god! I think that would be so fun. This yes. this needs to happen. How about you? Okay, so I had two thoughts, but my my I think my second thought I'm going with. I want to see Robin Lopez star as Doc from Back to the Future. Oh, that's so good! Oh my god, he'd be so good at that one. Yeah, I want to see the over the topness. I want to see the 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 bad jokes. I want to see, I want to see it all. That is so good because I mean like the hair is obvious, but then when you Mm -hmm. like dig in a little bit farther, there's so many reasons that he would be so good at that. Like you said, because you can imagine him in like the giant jumpsuit. Like he'd be so good in the jumpsuit. (laughs) Someone's going to have to need a lot of fabric to cover someone that tall in a jumpsuit. Yes. Oh my gosh. That was really fun. Um, If anybody who is listening has any ideas, they should totally tweet at us their ideas because this could be really fun and it could get us through the rest of summer as we're waiting for basketball to start up again. (laughs) 
there sure has been a lot going on. Yes. The NBA is a crazy thing in the offseason. It it really is. I mean, we kind of knew this was going to happen. Um, we knew that almost half of the league was going to be up for free agency. But um, I think it surpassed my expectations. How about yours? Oh, yeah. This is bonkers. <laughs> I came – I, like, was gone for one week without any kind of internet access, and I came back to the Westbrook uh, – Westbrook going to Houston situation and then the Dame quote on top of it saying that that one was for Seattle. So I, I feel like I missed an amazing week, but I came back to like a present. Yes. Yes. Like a big giant box full of just wonderful things to just keep unpacking. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Uh, I was so, I was really surprised and I don't, I don't know. A lot of people act like it's not surprising at all, but I was still surprised by the Westbrook to Chris Paul thing because I I don't know if I'm just old fashioned or whatever, but I thought, you know, of all the guys in the league who would be a most likely candidate to stay on a team forever, I thought Russ would be one of them, you know, along with Damian Lillard, obviously. Uh, I just thought. You know, I mean, he's he's not getting any younger. He's got us, you know, a settled family in OKC. He's been everything for that franchise as long as he's been there. Mm-hmm. And then when they traded Paul George, everyone's like, that, "That's it, uh, Russell Westbrook is gone." And I was like, "Wait, why?" Um, and you know, I had a lot of people explain it to me. It's like, you know, uh, you know, the team was gonna need to rebuild and yada yada yada. I just didn't understand why they wouldn't want to have Russ be around for that rebuild, but instead they got Chris Paul. I just don't know if that's a better answer. And, and now, you know, it sounded like people thought that he was going to be traded right away, but of course there's no market for him anymore because half the league can't be traded anyway. And I don't know, it's just a weird situation. What did you think? I, uh, I, I'm, I'm with you. I really, I thought, I kind of had a sense after the Paul George thing went down and then Westbrook's name was included in some of the trade talks that maybe that was the end of it. Maybe that was. And also, I think if I was Westbrook and I started hearing my name in trade talks and I wasn't too aware of it, I wouldn't be happy either with an organization that I kind of gave everything to. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's definitely a rebuild year. I think Chris Paul got the short end of this stick. When it comes down to it, because he's going to a rebuild team. But uh, yeah, he gets to go play with Steven Adams. That's fun, <laughs> right? Pair with the bright side. <laughs> I know. I know. What do you think the hard and rust fit is going to be like? Uh, I think it could be. I think either which way it's going to be entertaining. Yeah. I think that's a very <laughs> diplomatic answer. Yes, I think. No matter what happens, we will be entertained, um, whether it is a disastrous entertainment or if it is just a, a, somehow a match made in heaven that I don't quite understand. So either which way, I think entertainment. How about you? I, I'm the same thing. I've, I have no idea. I mean, this whole offseason has been it just this seems like the riskiest time of all to go to try to chase a ring right now. I mean, at the one time it's more wide open than it's ever been, but at the same time that means that there's more people that have a chance to win it at the same time. So, I don't know. It just it just seems risky to me and, you know, 
D'Antoni every year manages to get the most that he possibly can out of those. And I've I've read uh, some articles about how that fit looks like it's going to work. And there's kind of, you know, sort of a yin-yang thing, like with the kind of the chaos of Russ and the, you know, absolute like control of Harden, you know, that Russ, uh, you know, running all over the place and, you know, wrecking chaos all over the place will somehow be good for Harden. And, you know, Harden's, you know, stability and holding on to the ball will somehow work better for Russ because he can, you know, wreck havoc in other ways. I don't know. I, I think we're, I think everybody's in the same boat and I think nobody knows what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, let's turn to the Blazers and talk about them for a little bit. It, you know, the, uh, the things have pretty much settled down there. It looks like the Blazers still have, they definitely have at least one more roster spot to fill. They could fill two, um, but it sounds like they are going to be going into the season planning on carrying 14 guys on the roster. And that comes from Jason Quick. He had a what, a, a Twitter or an Ask Me Anything or a Q&A. He had a Q&A session on The Athletic. And uh, people asked him a lot of questions and he uh, answered using some of the sources that that he knows. And uh, one of the big topics of conversation that he brought up is that he did say that the Blazers are looking to sign a backup center and then go into the off season or go into the season with 14 roster spots. So what do you think about them uh, using their last uh, spot, at least for now on a backup center? Um. I think it makes sense with Nurk being out for as long as he's going to be out. But at the same time, I kind of wonder if bringing in a veteran point guard for the uh, second string wouldn't be a bad idea because Simon's so young. I mean, I think he has so much potential, but he's so young. And so I'd like to see him, you know, be able to grow into that potential versus kind of being thrown into it. Um, but I think – you you do need someone tall out there. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Yeah, it's How are interesting. You it's interesting because the, you know, both of those are like if if they had enough money and they could just maybe go get one. But you you know, I I don't know why 6 years in or however many years in that I've been like really tracking this, I still think the Blazers are going to sign a backup point guard because they so rarely I mean, they do sign up backup point guards and they're always guys who are just going to last a year. And I just don't know why they wouldn't do that again this year. I've learned at this point not to get attached to the ones that they sign, but I just have a hard time thinking that they're going to, that they would go into the season without anyone. Not because I think like, I don't, I get the whole staggering of Damon CJ. We've seen that for years now. And then, you know, having uh, Anthony be the third guy and to be able to do some of the playmaking. And I understand Hazonia does a little bit of playmaking, but God forbid the worst should happen. What are the Blazers going to do? Like if Dame or CJ goes out for any length of time beyond just a few games here or there, I guess I don't know if what they're thinking is they keep that final roster spot open. So if they do need to go fill that spot, they still have it. I don't know. I just I really like Anthony and I like what I saw of him as a shooting guard at uh, the 
at Summer League. He's so gorgeous at getting his shots off. And he's so clever. And, you know, his handles are good. His defense is, like, totally, you know, fine. But we still haven't seen him against actual NBA players, you know. And, you know, even that game that everybody just was, you know, this is the funnest game of the year, practically. One of the funnest games of the year. It was against Sacramento's B team. So, like... I so want him to be successful. I just want to have reasonable expectations for him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't want everybody to get too far out and then, you know, have him stumble or whatever. And then, you know, have, you know, things bubble up about him. I'm sure he'll be fine. He'll be amazing. He'll be awesome. The Blazers aren't going to need because no one's going to get injured. Everything's going to be fine. Uh exactly. <laughs> but there there have been some names, but, you know, I also, you know, on this one, I trust what Jason Quick says. If he says that they're going to go after a center, that's probably what they're going to do. Yeah. So I should just give it up. <laughs> Say I've learned my lesson over the years. But some of the centers that have been rumored, I thought were pretty interesting. Um, let's see. Who did they have? So Joe Kim Noah. What do you think about him? I think he's very entertaining as a person. Yeah. Um, I I think that when he's locked in, he's he's really fun to watch, and I think he's a good asset. But when he's not locked in, it's a different story. Um, but you know, this is a good team for guys who haven't ever found quite their quite their spot because it's such a welcoming and open environment. That who knows, maybe. Mm-hmm. I love <laughs> one of the things I love about Joe Kim Noah is he always looks like a toddler who just woke up from a nap because <laughs> he always like his hair is always kind of like falling out like it's all sort of mussed up and his uniforms always kind of like twisted and sort of tucked in wrong and like he'll have like a you know one of his tights kind of rolled up funky under his sock or whatever <laughs> he just always looks like my boys when they woke up from a nap um, but in, in addition to that you know, when I was I was looking at the list of people they were talking about, uh, Joe Kim Noah and Greg Monroe in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Kim Noah aver- has averaged 2.8 assists over his career. So on the roster right now, there isn't a guy who's a, a center who's like a proven passer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, somebody like Noah who, you know, 2.8 is not too shabby at all for a center, especially kind of an old school guy who's been around for a long time like he has. Um, I think that would be kind of a nice fit. But the other one, I kind of think that because their name is attached to him again, and yeah. if nothing else, we've learned that they go back to guys again. You know, I think yeah. we should really learn more about Greg Monroe. Yeah. The man who averages about five Portland Trailblazer rumors a year. Yeah. Um, at some point. At some point in the year, everyone's like, oh, we're signing Greg Monroe. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he's he's 29 years old, so he's right there in the trajectory. Mm-hmm. If they're going to stay with the keeping guys who are in the you know right age, you know, he's not a, a big assist number guy, but he has for a number of years managed well over one, if not two assists per game. So you know, it could be like both. Neither Plumlee nor Nurkic came in with a high assist rate, but they yeah. quickly got there. So I'm thinking that a guy like Greg Monroe, who's shown that he can do a little passing, may be desirable for them. Um, I don't know. And the, on the last 
Blazer's Edge podcast, I talked about how I watched all of Hassan Whiteside's assists for the last mm. season, which didn't take very long. And uh, <laughs> they they were not what I would call determined. Like <laughs> they were more like, oh no, I need to get rid of it. Here we go. You know, they yeah. weren't like really necessarily in the flow of the offense. It was more like the clock is running out and I got to get rid of that or someone's coming Mm up. So if they need somebody who can maybe do a little more ball handling, maybe one of those guys, Noah or Monroe Mm -hmm. could take that. Yeah. Well, speaking of NBA rumors, (laughs) uh, I've heard LaMarcus's name a lot lately. Yeah, that just keeps coming up. That came up in Jason Quick's uh, Q&A. What do you think of that? I think it could be interesting. I wonder what you have to give up to get LaMarcus back. And I wonder how everyone would feel about having LaMarcus back. Um, What do you think about the basketball fit? Like, do they they need what he brings? I, I don't. I, mean, I don't, don't know. They're not very thick in power forwards, per se, in like traditional yeah. but forwards. I think, I don't know if the styles match up mm-hmm. is kind of how I, I don't know. I think, I don't know if it's, if it's worth trying to figure out a style to incorporate LaMarcus or if you feel like LaMarcus can actually just be incorporated. Because I think that if you need to kind of step back and reevaluate a whole bunch of things that have been working for these younger players that we have, then I don't know if it's worth the risk. But, you know, it is. He is LaMarcus. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, he knows the coach well and he knows mm-hmm. the star well. And, you know, I, my thought is because – uh, last year, there were a couple conversations that a couple different writers had with him where, you know, he had said some things about him and Dame's past relationship. And it sounds like he and Dame are are uh, more friendly than they've been in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he'd actually, you know, told Dame that he was thinking of, you know, thinking about retiring here or whatever. So I kind of I kind of see it more as a far off thing, yeah. like maybe when he's done with his contract and, you know, you know, if the Blazers needed somebody, but they never sign guys like that, right? Like Tolliver is kind of the outlier. Like it's been a long time since they had a guy into his thirties yeah. and, and uh, I'm playing on the team. So I, I don't know if that's just, you know, fans, you know, playing around with the idea because it's an interesting thought experiment or mm-hmm. I mean, the other person who keeps talking about coming to Portland or having all his friends talk about coming to Portland is Kevin Love. Like, suddenly we have all these, you know, guys who are third hand expressing interest in Portland. You know, <laughs> Kevin Love's buddy Channing Fry is out there talking about Kevin Love should come to Portland. And well, like, isn't Channing's back living here too, though? Yeah. <laughs> so this is this is a little this is a little selfish intention there on Channing Fry's <laughs> He wants Kevin to just come live in, in yeah. town. I don't know. So I, I think I think it's inter- – I, I feel like Portland has been getting a little bit more – not exactly uh, 
It certainly hasn't been proven as a more attractive free agent location, except for somebody like Rodney Hood. Mm -hmm. Um, But at at least we're in the conversation with some of the players who used to play here. (laughs) Maybe that's maybe that's step one in becoming a destination free agent market. (laughs) Well, and I think having a leader like Dame definitely plays a role in having people talk about it. Yeah, right. I mean, I don't know. It's. It's so interesting the way things have changed this summer. There's all these talks about the duos now. Mm-hmm. Like now we have all these superstar duo combinations. When we used to have super teams, now we have super duos. Yeah. So we've got LeBron and AD, Kawhi and Paul George, Kyrie and KD, Harden and Westbrook. Of course, everyone's darling in the East is going to be Jimmy Butler and Myers Leonard. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. But seriously, though, like Damon CJ should totally be in that conversation too don't you think yeah and if and it's funny because i was looking at a lot of numbers recently and it almost when you look at it by a numbers wise it's almost like you should be saying damon nurk from last year but i still think can you say a little more about that i don't know so when i was looking at pers uh and plus minus ratings for the seasons Mm -hmm. uh for all the duos you get a lot of like lebron's eighth in Purr's last season, AD is third, Kawhi is seventh, Paul George is 22nd, Durant 14th, Kyrie 13th, Dame 17th, CJ 96th. Oh. Huh. Um, but when you look at uh, Nurks, Nurks was up there in the top 50. Mm-hmm. And so then I looked at plus minuses and CJ was at 94th. Nurk again was in that higher range while Dame is at 10th there. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at it just from a statistics element, I almost started thinking of it as Damon Nurk. But in reality, you got to look at it from more than just the numbers. And I think it really is Damon CJ. Mm-hmm. They're so much of the heart of this team. And I think from a leadership perspective, a teamwork perspective, the way that they utilize each other and are able to kind of continue a seamless play when they're staggered like that. I think that is what makes them our superstar duo. Well, and they have so much more experience than all these other superstar duos, you know, yeah. playing together. Mm-hmm. And I am I was trying to, like, figure out going into the season, like, as Portland fans, how can we – Mm-hmm. How can we try to, you know, look at this with a logical per- from a logical perspective and not put our Damon CJ love ahead of everything? Yeah. But also give them a fair shake. So like mm-hmm. you were looking at the numbers like, yeah, which numbers should we be looking at to measure the success of a duo? And mm-hmm. uh I don't really know. I mean, the PER, that's a um, the player efficiency rating, which I believe is based off of the um, – that's based off of the box score. So yeah. it's like a combination of like all the good things minus all the bad things divided by the games and the minutes or whatever. Um, and so that's like based off of the box score. So, you know, that's one way to look at it. And then there's the on-off numbers as well. Mm-hmm. But I'm just not quite sure if you would – you know, measure, I don't know. I, it's it's something that I'm going to be thinking about this summer. And I'd love to come yeah. up with like a, a rubric <laughs> before yeah. the season starts. So we can sort of dispassionately look and mm-hmm. see 
how Damon CJ and maybe like extrapolate from that, like how much chemistry and experience together counts. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is you can measure all those numbers, but they're really individual performance numbers. Yeah. And so are you just measuring two really great players or are you measuring a duo that makes each other better? Right. Like what, what numbers could we look at that would help us understand how they play together? Yeah, because I think no matter what, you know, someone like Kawhi is going to have great numbers. Someone like Paul George is going to have great numbers. Are they going to make each other better? Are they going to somehow kind of be battling in a way? And I don't think they're the best example for that battle. I think Harden and Westbrook will be. But (laughs) that that internal battle of like what's happening. Uh, But who knows? Uh, It's hard to figure it all out because it. There's no one thing that measures it. There's so many elements that make up a team and a player and what makes them great. Right. And and how how do we measure their connections? I mean, we can look and see how many passes they have to each other. We can see how many times they assist each other. We can see how often they're involved in, you know, pick and rolls. We could look at that like for Nurk and um and Dame, we could look at you know plays that they're involved in together. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like what is that secret element <laughs> to measure to measure their, their success? So, if any of our listeners have any ideas, along with movie ideas for yeah. <laughs> NBA stars, if you have ideas about how we can measure the efficiency of a duo together, that mm-hmm. would be awesome to hear them. I think we're going to need some help from the uh, the students from the program that we're going to talk about a little bit later. Oh, that's a fantastic segue. <laughs> yes, they could they could help us out figure out this problem. Yeah, yeah. So let's go ahead and uh, introduce the uh, our our interview. When I was down at summer league, I met this woman named Alexis Musante, and she is the co-founder of Tech Exposure and Access Through Mentoring, which is a program for youth in Oakland. We had a little moment talking about Damian Lillard early on in our interview. Um, but she's from Oakland and it's for Oakland youth. And the purpose of the program is to uh, expose them to science, technology, engineering, and math, the STEM fields through sports. And the way she kind of talks about it is to show kids that you don't have to be an athlete to have a career in sports because there's a whole bunch of other stuff that you can do. And so the way they bring the kids in is that they, um, you know, they get them interested in sports and they use this, uh, they have um, a, a sports visualization, like a data visualization type of app that teams use to help track statistics on the players and help do scouting and things like that. So one part of their program is talking about this application, but then, you know, they do other things, just learning about other careers in the sports, uh, in the sports tech field. So I met Alexis down at Summer League. We had a great conversation and it was really nice of her to talk to me because she had just spent like 72 hours with 15 teenagers. So I was so appreciative of her like staying awake to have this conversation because she'd had a really busy weekend. But uh, let's go ahead and listen to that and then we'll come back and wrap it up. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay. 
Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Today, I am reporting from Las Vegas. Cassidy is not with me this time, but I am going to talk her into coming with me at another time. Uh, but I am not alone. I am joined today by Alexis Musante. She's a collegiate basketball player and now co-founder of TEAM. TEAM stands for Tech Exposure and Access Through Mentoring. Alexis, welcome. Thank you. So happy to be here. So I was looking for, um, you know, interesting women to talk to while I was here, and I found out about the team program. And um, it, as I understand it, you, uh, your organization, you brought some kids here to yes. learn about some of the different careers in sports. We'll talk about that in a minute. But first, I want to know more about you. So you want to start off by introducing yourself and telling us about kind of your connection to basketball? Yes. Uh, thank you. Thanks for that introduction. I feel honored to be considered an interesting woman. So, um, no, but I, uh, yeah, born and raised in Oakland, California, town, town business. Um, right on. So you're a Damien Lillard fan? Yes. I was going to say, you know, <laughs> I know he's going to be a lifetime uh, blazer and that's okay, but, but we love him. He's, he's a beast and an amazing player, awesome person. So. Yeah, from Oakland, um, born and raised, uh, fell in love with basketball relatively early on. It was like, you know, always around in the household, always in the background. Dad was always watching it. Um, and really just sports in general was like a huge part of um, my formative years. And, you know, from watching the Warriors to the A's to the Raiders, um, you know, through the good times and the bad, um, you know, uh, sports has just been like, you know, one of one of one of my loves. Um, I started actually playing um organized basketball a little bit late, was playing like playing soccer, running track and doing other things up until um, seventh grade, uh, started playing um, basketball more organized. And, you know, it was like, I really like this, um, was like terrible. No, <laughs> like no polish, no real skills, um, just pretty athletic. And so that kind of carried me, carried me through into high school. And then I um, got to high school and had to choose between soccer and basketball because they were at the same, same time. And I was like, you know what, I'm interested in hoops. And so stuck with that and, you know, had a long way to go, you know, started on uh, JV and then um, made my way up to varsity. Um, but just like really fell in love and, um, you know, wasn't, again, wasn't the most talented kid on the court, but, um, 
uh, ended up actually like tearing, uh, popping my knee, kneecap out of its socket, and, I think in junior <laughs> year. And it was weird because it was like, at that moment, I was like, I don't want to be done playing yet. Like, how do I continue playing? And that kind of like catalyzed my, I guess, passion or drive to want to play at the next level. How I was going to do that, wasn't sure at the point, but um, ended up playing, playing in college, went to DePaul and then uh, transferred and, and finished at University of San Francisco. So I have never really sat down and talked with someone who's a collegiate athlete, and especially in an intense sport like basketball. So can you tell me a little bit about like what your life was like as a, you know, as a teenager who showed up to play college ball? It was uh, amazing and scary and all the, all the feels. Um, But yeah, no, it was like a full-time as a collegiate athlete, it's your full-time job. Um, out of high school, got recruited, um, but decided to actually leave the Bay Area, leave Oakland and go to Chicago. Um, walked, actually walked on at DePaul. And, um, you know, like Midwest East Coast basketball is like different ball game. You just have like more size, more power. Um, and so it was like brand new landscape for me, super intimidating. Um, you know, you have girls and like such a, such an incredible program. And actually the year that I, I, I went to DePaul, um, they were moving from Conference USA to the Big East. And so, you know, getting to play like UConn, Rutgers, oh, wow. some of these top tier teams. Wow. So talk about like, you know, pressure and like, but an incredible experience got so much better. Um, had like got to learn from some, uh, some phenomenal coaches, specifically Doug Bruno. Um, just the culture at, um, within the, within the program was incredible. Um, so amazing experience and then transferred to USF to, to finish playing. So, you know, we follow mostly the NBA, um, you know, on the podcast and on Blazers Edge, obviously. And, you know, the players in the NBA usually have a pretty clear, like, clear career trajectory. They are trying yes. to get to the NBA. Um, but I imagine your experience, I'm guessing, was a little different from that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you had WNBA aspirations. But I'm also wondering kind of how you were thinking about, like, your post-college uh, career. Yeah, Um I mean, I think like being, you know, a hooper, being a basketball player, you're just, especially at the collegiate level, it's all consuming. Like I said, it's like your full-time job. So you're like waking up, basketball, going to practice, you know, study hall, practice again, games, et cetera. Um, So it's like you just, I like, I know I had tunnel vision. So I was, and I did have like, I had aspirations of playing beyond, but those were kind of curtailed after some injuries. Um, And then actually like transferred from USF or transferred from DePaul to USF on scholarship and then ended up getting injured um, again at USF. And, um, you know, but even at that point, um, I hadn't really thought about what was next. I just knew that, at, you know, like basketball was the common thread throughout my life. And it was a way like basketball showed me the world. Basketball had, you know, um, connected me to so many amazing people that I can still call friends and family. So I knew that I wanted to um, integrate basketball in some way. I just had no idea what that looked like. But, yeah, I mean, I didn't have aspirations like, like for the WNBA per se, Um but, you know, like as a woman, a lot of the time, especially like at the time I was in college, you know, like you have to kind of think beyond. Right. Um, and so I didn't think beyond while I was in college, but <laughs> I had to figure it out. Like graduating, I had to get into the real world. 
So we're totally going to talk about that in a minute about the real world. But before we do that, I want to ask if you have any, if you had a signature move, if so, what it was. Um, and then also like, do you have any like kind of go-to stories that you tell people or like what you're going to tell your kids about just like, you know, funny moments that you had as a player? Um, I would say my go-to move would be like, just step back. Or what position did you play? I was a shooting guard. Um, definitely no Steph Curry or Clay Thompson, but like I could shoot a little bit. Um, yeah, like, uh, pull up one, like step back, one dribble pull up. That was like where I lived for the most part. Um, nice. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> trying to think of a, there's so many, there's like just so many good stories. Um, I actually like, this is not particularly funny, but it's, um, uh, it was super memorable, like getting to play, you know, at DePaul, we went to the Sweet 16 my freshman year. Wow. And that was like, to be on that stage and that intensity and that energy um, was like, you know, that was incredibly memorable and so much fun. And um, we ended up going, get going to the Sweet 16, we played LSU at the Alamo Dome and got to play against like some phenomenal like women who are in the WNBA now. And um, we were at 10th in the nation at one point um, during that year. And everybody had like, you know, kind of pinched it and hold us like, oh, you guys are coming from Conference USA. You're a mid-major team. You're not going to do it in the Big East. And so just like having a chance to like prove everybody wrong. So that's wonderful memory I have. Was there anything about like working on a team or playing together with a team that you um, are have taken into your uh, adult life and career? Absolutely. I mean, um, yeah, basketball like you know builds builds great teams, right? Um, and just like learn. I mean, it's like all the skills that you carry with you the rest of your life, right? Collaboration and um, you know like problem solving. Um, you know, learning leadership skills, just like everything that was instilled, right? And and what makes a great team being being selfless, being humble, um, you know, like staying positive, encouraging, you know, your 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 fellow sisters. So all of those things have like translated, you know, in into the rest of my life and have definitely like impacted, you know, the work that I'm doing now. The principles are still very much alive and well and important. Right on. So you said the word team, which is a perfect segue into team, your organization. So can you tell us a little bit about team and what inspired you to uh, found it or be one of the co-founders? Yes. Um, So team stands for tech exposure and access through mentoring. And we're a nonprofit in Oakland, California. And um, we prepare students for opportunities available at the intersection of tech and sport. And... So what that looks like for us is we target high school students, and really the point of it is just to um, give students an opportunity to like basically see career pathways beyond the baseline or the field or or wherever. Right? Um, there's so many opportunities um, where like sort of sports and technology converge, and it's just you know it's all a matter of exposure and opportunity, and so that's you know that that really anchors the work that we do. And um, we leverage uh, some sports analytics softwares. One is called Sports Code, and it's used across the NBA and WNBA. Pretty much all teams use it. It's an analytics software, but it's a phenomenal platform to, to teach kids STEM skills at the end of the day. 
So what does a kid who participates in a team, like, you know, what, what's that participation look like? Yeah. So, um, again, they're in high school. So like they're, you know, freshmen through seniors and they join our core program, which is a 14 week program. It runs the duration of the school, a school semester. Essentially they come to us for it's once a week for two hours and they jump in on a computer, which has the sports code software on it. And like immediately from day one, they're just, it's hands-on, it's all project based. So they're learning you know, all the, the knowledge base of the software, how to use the software. And um, they're kind of working on real world projects that, you know, the Warriors would be using or other teams would be working on. And then they actually get uh, prepared to take an industry certification exam as well. Um, Whoa, tell me about these industry, like, like there's sports analytics or just like in using the platform or what's yeah, that? Yeah, so the company that actually like owns the software right now, it's called Huddle. And so it's a sports code by Huddle. But they created um, just an exam to really codify the expertise that people were that people have and people were learning using the software. And so um, we had the chance to actually offer that to our kids. And so that's kind of an awesome um, asset for them. It just like gives them confidence. And then it also really, um, you know, gives them something tangible. They can put it on their resume, you know, they can walk away and say, Hey, I have this certification in this software and, um, you know, legitimizes the work that they did in the classroom and helps them kind of build beyond what they did with us. Um, as, and we can get into summer league. Yeah, that is, okay. This program sounds so amazing. I can, uh, I bet you there's listeners who want to get involved in it who are like, I want to take that course. That sounds, that sounds really cool. Um, but I mean, you made a really great point that there are so many other jobs in basketball or in sports beyond just the, um, uh, the court. And, you know, right now STEM is like on everybody's mind and STEM and STEAM stand for science, technology, engineering, and math. Um, and, you know, so many kids for so long, I think like when I was growing up, we were like pigeonholed, like you were either like a nerd or you were an athlete and like the, you know, neither one of them met or whatever. Um, it, it sounds like you are really approaching it in a holistic way where kids get involved in lots and all the different aspects of it. So tell me about what happened at Summer League this weekend. Yes. Um, and to, to your point, it's really just like meeting the students where they're at, right? They have... Um, certain interests and it's just empowering them wherever their interests lie. A lot of kids like sports and then a lot of kids like technology. So let's put it together and explore that. Um, so yeah, we uh, took uh, 15 of our student alumni um, and they came to Summer League. This is our third year coming to Summer League. And so, you know, they've really earned the chance to come here and they're basically assigned a team that they work with um, and they have a video analytics project um, through Sports Code. So they have to basically, you know, create an opponent scout, a personnel scout, um, some breakdown, basically using all the knowledge that they learned um, and present it to either one of the video coordinators, an assistant coach, a scout. Um, So they really actually get to apply what they learned in the classroom in real time, in the real world. Um, it's super fast pace, um, lots going on, but they also get a chance to act, you know, just build a network and connect with people in the NBA and just build relationships at the end of the day. How did you like get the idea to bring everybody to summer league? Um, so it was just something that Anwar McQueen, who's the other co-founder of team and I just sort of threw around like 
team started, we launched in the October of 2016. We had a group of five students. So we finished with our, we finished with those five and we were like, how can we start to like connect the dots for them in a real way? really fast too. And, um, it just so happens that like summer league was approaching and we, you know, we were like, what if we took them to NBA summer league? Can we do anything there? Right. Can we connect them to some coaches, you know, have them kind of be, you know, in the, like have that experience. Um, since there's so many like other entities around basketball that are here at summer league, so it was, I mean, we just, it was just an, a random idea and we did it. I don't know how we did it. I don't know how we're still doing it, but it's grown. So we, we took 15 students this year. That sounds so cool. So do you have any, you know, uh, stories from summer league or, you know, really interesting interactions between students and teams? Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was, Great yesterday to see one of our students, Tyler, he was meeting with um, our contact at uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, and so they met. Tyler showed him his uh, this output window that he created um, and did sort of a, a scout for OKC uh, from a regular season game. And it was funny because the guy uh, was like, you know, he's like, how did you do this? He's like, I never learned this part of sports code. Like, what is scripting? How did you create this? So it was really cool to just see, like, Tyler be the expert in the moment and kind of teach him something. Um, and so that was, like, that was super special. It was cool to see the kids, uh, you know, collecting business cards, sharing their experiences about who they met or who they, like, ended up texting and following up with. It was – we had – we actually had a chance to go to, like, the Las – I mean, this wasn't directly associated with Summer League, but we had a chance to go to the Las Vegas Aces game on Friday. And, you know, most of the kids had never been to a WNBA game before. So that was a really cool experience. And they were, like, super excited until there was an earthquake. <laughs> and we – they didn't finish the game, but – that's really neat. Well, so when, going back to when you first started team and you were, you know, planning it and thinking about what your dreams were for it, um, like, where are you now? Is it kind of going on the same path that you thought it would go? Has it taken any turns? And like, where do you see it going in the future? Um, team has taken so many different turns. Um, and we're at our about like two and a half year mark approaching three. And um, it's, I mean, it's been an incredible, it's been an incredible experience. Um, you know, we're still learning and growing every day and we are, you know, constantly looking to figure out how we can serve more students. Um, but we've had, you know, like the reason we've been able to do what we've been able to do is like through partnership and collaboration with people who believe in the work, um, specifically an organization called the Hidden Genius Project, mm -hmm. thinking about st STEM and um, other amazing programs focused on underrepresented youth, specifically black male youth um, in, in Oakland. Check them out. Um, and yeah, you know, we we want to do Summer League again. We want to, you know, figure out how we can also be able to serve more young women. Um, we had three young women join us this year for Summer League, which was really special. Um, 
And so just kind of building upon that, we had a chance to actually connect with a, a former WNBA player who is now in the front office for the Las Vegas Aces. Her name's Rusha Brown. Okay. And she kind of kicked us off on Friday um, by just connecting with our kids, kind of sharing her story as a player. And then, um, you know, a player to biz- the business side and into the front office. And um, that was like, that was really special um, for the whole group. Um, and just to have that component um, weaved into Summer League, but then just like weaved into to the organization into the program because I mean at the end of the day we're we're focused on underrepresented you know folks um, and that includes women too that's a big you know catalyst for the reason that we're doing the work and it's like to continue to open doors and really ensure that you know we all have the chance to be like have a seat at the table or create our own table or um, you know be in front office positions be in executive leadership positions in the boardroom and beyond. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time today to, uh, to talk with me about all of this. Um, do you, can you tell people how they can find out more information about team? Yes. So please check us out. Um, our website is, uh, www.weareteaminc.org. Our Instagram is at we are team Inc. Our Twitter is at we are team Inc. as well. Um, check us out, follow us, reach out to us join our team. Well, I know you must be exhausted after spending a whole weekend with a bunch of teenagers. So I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for coming in today. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks, Alexis. Thank you. That will do it for us for this week's podcast. Subscribe to the Blazers Edge podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us email. We love email. Hoopsandtalks at gmail.com. The Blazers Edge on Twitter is at Blazers Edge. You can follow the What Podcast on Twitter at Hoopsandtalks. Remember to send us your movie suggestions and how are we going to rank some duos. You can find Tara at TCB Biggs with two Gs. And you can find me at Cassidy Gemmett with two M's and you can find more out about team, the tech exposure and access through mentoring at we are team Inc. Thanks for listening until next time. Go Blazers.